the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now, here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. We need to learn to pray in a discreet fashion. Discreet fashion. Not just denying falsehood, but we need to pray in a discreet fashion. Look at verse 6, first part of verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Prayer, first and foremost, is a private personal, spiritual discipline. Again, the point Jesus was making is that public praying does not have power unless time and effort has been given to privately speaking to God. Honesty and integrity are what drives our faith in Christ. Faith then is the ability to have trust in the substance of the things we hope for and to believe in the evidence of the things we do not yet see. That's when faith becomes essential to our prayer. Now, the secret, the the, the secret power that Jesus had was that he spent so much time practicing the discipline of solitude. If you read the Gospels, the secret in the power of Jesus' prayer life was because he spent so much time privately praying to God. That's why when you read the Bible, Jesus hardly prayed publicly. They didn't say he didn't pray publicly, but he hardly prayed. And people came to him. The lame came to him. The sick came to him. Even the dead (laughs) The relatives of dead people came to him. Even nature came to him. Do we see Jesus saying to the lame or the blind or to the sick, come on here, let let me pray for you. I don't see that very often in in the ministry of Jesus. You know what he did? By the time these people, by the time the lame, the blind, the sick, the disheartened, the discouraged, even the dead, by the time they came to Jesus, Jesus only had to speak the word, arise, be healed. He rebuked sickness, he rebuked Satan, he rebuked the demons, he rebuked every kind of thing that goes against the knowledge of God, and he didn't have to call a prayer meeting for it. What's the secret? By the time he was ready to minister to people, he already prayed to God. He already spent time praying to God. He invested a lot of time praying to God. 
praying secretly. We need to learn these things for ourselves. I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself as well. There's a third principle of establishing power in praying. And this is related to the second principle. And that is, it has to be based on divine fellowship with God. But when you pray, Jesus says in the first part of verse 6, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is not seen. And then, he continued and said, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you openly. The reward of prayer, listen to this, everybody. The reward of prayer is divine fellowship with God. Do you ever wonder why sometimes you pray, you're desperate, you want God to kind of move in your life, you're asking God to do something in your life? But somehow your prayer life is stale, it's boring, it's lifeless, it's a burden, it's, it's, it's a struggle and sometimes downright meaningless. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life that I, I stop praying at night because the moment I close my eyes to pray at night, I fall asleep. That's true for you too. You just don't recognize it yet. We hear it all the time. I've been praying and praying, but God doesn't seem to answer or it seems like no results are evident and we've all been there. The problem is in the fellowship with God or the lack of it. Remember that the priority of prayer is not about asking God for things. It's not about asking God to intervene or asking God to do something. The main focus of prayer is divine fellowship, knowing the mind of Christ. That's the reward. The answer to prayers, they come later. The reward for praying comes first. But we get it backwards. When we pray, we usually want some kind of a response from God. But what God is really desiring every time we pray is that we have fellowship with Him. Why does God want to have fellowship with us? Because God wants to reveal something about Himself to us every time we pray. Now let me ask you a question this morning. What would you rather have? An answer to your prayer or God revealing something about himself to you? It's a no-brainer. I prefer for God to reveal something about himself to me when I pray. And so should you. And why is that? Because God's answers to our prayers are not always something we like. Did you know that God answers our prayers and sometimes the answer is something we didn't ask for? That's true for us. You could pray and pray and God is answering, but you, you're not recognizing it as an answer because you don't know too much about God. But if we allow God to reveal something about himself to us, there will be no prayer that we will ever utter before God, that we will not appreciate whatever answer he gives. Because we have learned something, something new about God. And that's what intimacy in prayer produces. You got to know God first. 
So you, you know his heart. So I know his heart. I got to know the mind of Christ first so that I know what to ask. So every time I ask, I'm not surprised at what I got. I will get what I need no matter what because that's how God answers prayers. But if we know who God is, we will never ever question why we got what we got. I told you this many times. I couldn't pass for Irish if I want to. Somebody will figure out I'm not. That's true. You can laugh, Jolon. I, was, I had a privilege of uh, praying for two of the most prominent Asian or Filipino singers, you know, a few years back. These are very famous people, at least in, in, the, in the Asian Filipino community. They're very famous. And the promoter of the, the concert asked me, hey, you know, before the concert, can you pray for these guys? I felt good, you know. <laughs> I get to pray for these guys. They're famous, you know. Maybe if I stand next to them, maybe I get some notoriety as well, you know. Of course, if you want to be ignored, stand next to good people. <laughs> stand to famous people. But anyway, hey, you know, we, we spent, had to spend a couple of, um, you know, at least maybe, maybe 20, 20 minutes hanging out with these guys. You know what I discovered? I mean, they're so down to earth. After about two minutes, I thought I was talking to, you know, buddies, you know. I didn't see any egos. I didn't see any kind of pride. I didn't see any kind of, you know, hey, I'm somebody special. When you pray for me, I want you to really be praying good. No, in, instead, you know, they were telling me, oh, I pray, pray for me, Pastor. I'm so nervous to be performing this thing. You nervous? You know how famous you are? You know what? Yeah, I prayed for them, and you know, uh, the reward was I got a front row seat. I mean, I can feel their sweat and their spit. That's, you know, got to get my handkerchief, wipe it, and put it in my pocket. I got to reserve this. This is from famous people. The reward wasn't the fact that I got a front row seat. The reward was the fact that I had fellowship with two of probably the nicest guys I've ever met. And not because they were famous, but because the, the, the fellowship that I had with them, that was the reward. It's not the front row seat, and the same thing is true with prayer. It's not so much what God gives us, but whatever God gives us, if you have satisfaction in it, you have had fellowship with God. That's how you know. I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. That's the, teachings of, that's the teaching of Scripture. The reward is that fellowship, that intimacy with God. It's not whatever God gives us. So next time you pray, asking for God, don't, don't, don't come up with a list. Of, this is exactly, God, this is who I want to marry. This is the kind of person, and you go into the details. You know, we've been taught all our lives, you didn't get what you get because you didn't ask specifically. You know what it's saying? It's just saying, you know, you don't get the answer to your prayer to your satisfaction because you really don't know the God that you're praying to. You got to know who Jesus is. He answers our prayers according to his will. Never according to our will. Sorry to say. Well, pastor, that means, you, you know, I, I cannot pray anymore because I want my will to be done, not, my, not God's will to be done. If you're praying that way, let's talk. Let's talk discipleship classes. I'll show you how to pray. There's a fourth 
teaching. Fourth principle of establishing power in our praying. And that is, a powerful prayer is established because of a definite focus. A definite focus. Look at verses 7 to 13. And when you, and when you pray... Do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Isn't that an amazing thing? That's the second time the Bible speaks of that. Your Father knows what you, what you want. Your Father knows what you're going to ask even before you ask. All right? Do not be like the pagans. Because your father knows what you need before you ask him. God is less interested in what we want for him. He's more interested with what he wants from us. Obviously, here Jesus was contrasting religious hypocrites with a pagan. Religious hypocrites are focused on showing off, while the pagans are focused on blabbering words. Neither one is focused on praying to God. Now, this is what Jesus said. This is then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is not a model prayer that Jesus wants us to pray repeatedly. When people ask you to pray, don't say, okay, let's pray together. And you say, our Father, don't do that. This is not a prayer that's meant to be repeated over and over again. What Jesus is doing here is that he is teaching them how to have a definite focus in praying. I realize that this has been known as the Lord's Prayer, but it's really a teaching. This is didactic. This is not a model prayer. This is a teaching on prayer. That must be evident in how God's people should, should pray. I mean, there are five pillars of this teaching on prayer that Jesus demonstrated. Okay, there's, there's, there's five of them. They all start with P, so it's easy to remember. Number one, there is the element of praise to establish the power of praying. It says, Father in heaven, holy is your name. We praise him because above all, he is distinct. He is transcendent. So any kind of praying must be predicated by praising God because of his uniqueness. He is transcendent. He resides in heaven and he sees everything and everything that happens in this world. Secondly, there is the preeminence of God's will. The preeminence of God's will. Powerful prayers are focused on the will of God. Jesus says, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a declaration of surrender to the will of God every time we pray. No power in praying without knowing and accepting the will of God. Thirdly, provisions. Give us today our daily bread. This is again a statement of our dependence and trust in God. We are in a bad economy right now. I lived in this valley for a long time and I've seen this valley flourish in its economy and I've seen it go down. We can never trust the economy in, in terms of our provisions on our need. Tomorrow is never guaranteed to any one of us. 
That's why this teaching is important. You don't rely on your provisions. I don't rely on my provisions based on the economy, based on everything that I have to put on the table. Rather, I need to trust in God for the things uh, that I need. And then, uh, fourthly, there's penitence. Knowing our own weaknesses will make us more prayerful for our enemies. See, this word for penitence is, is kind of a scary word for people. But it simply means we need to know our own weaknesses so that, we can, that, so that these weaknesses can make us more prayerful for our enemies. It is the great commandment to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. How can Jesus say something like that? It has been said that uh, we can be honest about our own failings and sins. You know, it says, uh, knowing our own sins, give us the ability to forgive people or to, or to uh, be patient, patient with people. Uh, we need to be taught how to pray for our enemies because this is a commandment that Jesus has given us. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And sometimes we don't want that teaching from Jesus because we think it means that we ought to tolerate our enemies because sometimes we, we think that, that, uh, that our enemies should not be loved because they're enemies of God. Well, guess what? We're all enemies of God, amen? Not until Jesus Christ came into our lives did we become God's children? There's no such thing as everyone is God's children. That's not true. The Bible doesn't say that. We're all children of Adam. We became God's children only through faith in Jesus Christ. And finally, there's protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is focusing not getting into trouble, but asking God for protection when we do get into trouble. So as we know, this Lord's Prayer is more of a teaching on how to establish the power of prayer in our lives. More than just saying, okay, well, you know, this is a model prayer. I got to start by doing this or by doing that. No, we need to be mindful of the things that God is, is, is absorbing, God is receiving. And, uh, and it becomes a different thing when you, when you, you and I decide that when, that when we pray to the Lord, there's a real dynamic that takes place. God understands what we're trying to do. You know, when I pray sometimes when I'm very desperate, when I'm very stressed, when, I'm, when there's so many things going on in my life, I just lay down and I say, God, you know everything, so just take care of me. God loves that kind of prayer too. But that's just desperation type of praying, amen? Now, if you're always praying that, that means you're always desperate. Something's wrong. God couldn't be that cruel. Because you're always praying for the same thing because you just never, you know, never had this advancement in the strength of your prayer life, in the strength of my prayer life. But when we do pray, understand that we have a transcendent God. Can't escape Him. The uncaused, first cause of everything is listening. You know? And he commands his people to righteously pray. And righteous praying has those elements. Amen? Praise, preeminence of the will of God, provisions for completely trusting in God, penitence, and protection. There's a final principle this morning in praying. 
establishing the power of God. And that is, there has to be a desire for forgiveness. A desire for forgiveness. Look at the balance of the text. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, you will, your, your Father will not forgive you of your sins. You know, it's amazing. Jesus summed up this teaching on prayer with an admonition to forgive. Have you ever noticed that? He ended the teaching about prayer with this clear admonition, clear command to forgive. Why is that a big deal in praying? And why is forgiveness a key to powerful praying? Listen very carefully. This is not as straightforward as it appears. Let me ask you a question. What characteristic or attitude do you possess that is most godlike? Now, just give you a few seconds. If you ask yourself, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, I believe in God, what is it about me? What one attitude, what one trait, what one characteristic can I proudly and honestly say, I am most godlike when I practice this attribute? Not an easy thing to answer, is it? Because if you say, well, you know, my hair is long, that makes me like Jesus, that doesn't count. Okay? That doesn't count. I, you, you know. Oh, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a humble person. Yeah, but, uh, you know, do you know that a church once gave me an award for humility and took it back because I accepted it? I could never figure that one out. Yeah. So, you know, the moment you say you're humble, you're already disqualified. Right? You disqualify yourself. So what one trait, what one attribute you ha- do you have, do I have, that I can say, I am most godlike when I have this? Not an easy question. Here's the answer. You probably already guessed it. If you can forgive, you are most godlike when you forgive. Why, Pastor? Why is that? Because speaking anthropomorphically this morning, that's a $30,000 word that I'm going to explain to you what it means. Me speaking by putting an attribute to God as a human being, let me, let, let me just say this to you. Forgiveness was the most difficult thing God has to ever do. To forgive us, he has to slaughter his son. To die on the cross. And don't tell me that God didn't weep when Jesus cried, Father, why have you forsaken me? All of that. Because God has to do the most difficult thing he ever has to do. And that is to forgive your sins and mine. That's why the cross is necessary. So every time we pray, if there's no forgiveness, we mock the most important thing that God has ever done for us in the cross of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus, before he heals a sick person, he would say to them, arise, your sins are forgiven. He didn't just say, rise up, you're healed. No, your sins are forgiven. And people got angry about that. And they say to him, who is this man? Who is this blasphemer? Only God can forgive sins. So when we forgive sin, we're the most godlike. And that's why the cross is so important. 
Because that's the greatest and most difficult thing that the heaven has to overcome. To offer a substitute for our guilt. And I close with these words. Why the cross to achieve forgiveness? Because it's the only most powerful way that God can express to us the depth of his hatred for sin and the depth of his love for us. Let me say that again. The cross of Jesus achieving for us the forgiveness of our guilt expresses in ways we can understand the depth of God's hatred for sin. And he hates sin. And the depth of his love for us. It's true. God hates the sin. But he loves us. How does he deal with this? By offering forgiveness through the cross of the man Jesus. God judged Jesus on the cross for that very reason. And every time we pray and forgive, we demonstrate the depth of God's love and the depth of our forsaking of that sin that caused us to want to, have, to, have, to, want to receive forgiveness in the first place. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 10.30 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.